we'll, we'll start with drug addiction. <laughs> Do you want to bust out the YouTube voices? We can make this all like an exciting intro. Like, I'm here with Tom on the podcast. Sight Substance and Euromate Tom. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We are going yeah, to you talk about that about, energy yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. We just we can just be normal. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But I just wanted to, uh, to start off with, uh, I guess, overcoming drug addiction. You know, something that I've kind of gone through many cycles, and we all go through. I guess everyone has their specific substance which they struggle with the most, and yeah, I think w- with for you, what it was like kratom, right? Kratom and Nangs. Nangs, that is a very Aussie thing to call them, I think. Ah, yeah, is it? What yeah, I don't, no one calls it Nangs here, so. What do you guys call it? Uh, they usually just call them Whippets. Uh, yeah, it does sound very Aussie. Oh, bloody Nangs, mate, yeah. <laughs> no, mine was, it depends on what section of my life you were to take a snapshot of. At a time, it was uh, alcohol heavily and then at a time it was cigarettes heavily and like i go overcame the cigarette addiction and then at a time it was actually mdma and i was doing mdma like once or twice a week i mean what i thought was mdma who knows what it actually was i didn't know anything about reagent testing back then but i was taking some form of intactogen dopamine slash serotonin you know uptake reuptake inhibitor slash releaser way too frequently and that was really hard to get off of and um, yeah, I've gone, the the constant has always been, there's been something that I was addicted to. There's always something. Yeah. So it's not always the same thing, but there's always something that has to fill that. It's like a vacuum opens up and it's like, what is the new addiction going to be now? Um, so I've gone through a lot of addictions. I, th- I feel like with the addiction, like especially if you have a strong addiction, addictive personality, it can either, it's like a double-edged sword, right? You can use it, if you use it towards the wrong direction, like drugs or porn or video games or whatever it's like you get really obsessive but sometimes you can kind of transmute that and use it into something good because i've seen it with yourself like being more obsessed with youtube and making high quality videos and working out and stuff like that so i guess how do you mitigate that aspect of it how do you turn your addiction tracks into something more positive and stay consistent because consistency seems to be the hardest thing because like i've gone through many addiction cycles too and like you know when sometimes you're like, yep, I'm done, I've quit, I'm over it, and then whatever, maybe a, a year, two years later, something triggers it back and then you go back into that cycle. So how do you stay consistent and like actually break the addiction for good? So you can't, the only way to break a pattern that say you've, you've felt like chained to for most of your life is you have to get to the root cause of why you're partaking in the behavior. So it's not necessarily about being consistent. So being consistent in like directing them towards good things is kind of like a band-aid approach because you're avoiding or you're not really healing what's causing the behavior that you don't want. You're just saying, well, let's just point this to something good and just like, well, forget about this big pile of shit in the corner. We'll just look this way for a while. Like you have to address the pile of shit is the first thing. And so most people's um, solutions for any kind of addiction is they do what's called the abstinence method where they join like AA. And first of all, I'm not shitting on, on this stuff. It works for some people, but 
really like if you want me to be blunt and the truth kind of hurts and a lot of people don't want to hear this it is a band-aid because abstinence is just saying as long as i refrain from said behavior long enough my life will improve and it's a good band-aid it works a lot of people's lives do improve but for a lot of them when you when you use that as your only strategy for healing again it's not really a strategy for healing but when that's your only strategy for moving forward you never actually heal the problem. So there's always something in the back of your head that's like, today's been shitty, but oh, if if I could just use X, Y, Z, whatever the drug is, it would feel better. They always have moments where they're like, today would be so much better if. They're never, I, I mean, a really blanket statement when I say they never, I'm sure there are some people who actually heal it, but I'm talking like those who don't, just to be mm. kind of more concise on who I'm targeting with the generalization. A lot of them don't get to a point where it's like they're truly just happy you know without the drug the a lot of them will say like it's been so many years and still in the back of my head some days i just wish i could use so that's why they celebrate like it's been a year it's been two years and they're always celebrating these milestones because if you think about it that is a massive achievement if they're always battling with it that is a huge but the the point is they're always battling it they never heal it Hmm. and that's actually like good on them to make it that long to win the battle for that long i can't even fathom it like they're doing amazing an amazing job with with their 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 plan of attack it's not i wouldn't say it's the most effective but like some people truly believe that addiction is a disease and that there's no way to heal it that's what they're taught and they really latch on to this this mindset and they do not allow themselves to see any potential um you know alternative ways of thinking and i think it comes down to just just that your your thoughts create your reality and that sounds really hocus pocus to some people but it's it's true like what's that famous quote whether you think you can or you can't you are right mm-hmm. so a lot of these people they're just convinced that they are lifelong addicts and that could just be the main thought that's keeping them in in the cycle because you have to first like you know think that you can get out of it if you don't think you can you'll never get out of it um, so I went on a big tangent there but I guess to wrap it all up what I'm trying to say is you have to heal the trauma that's caused the 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 tendency if you want to actually move forward um efficiently yeah absolutely man like looking at the shit that you've kind of repressed you know or you know some people but people can't see it yeah yeah but not everyone even they don't even know that what it is they don't they just they just know the the symptom which is the addiction they don't actually know the cause of the symptom mm. and on top of that it seems to be like an idea identity sort of thing like you said like counting the days and battling this thing and like oh i'm an addict things like that kind of repetuating these belief systems uh because that's something that i you know we're just talking about before like me quitting weed for example like that's been my biggest addiction i know some people kind of laugh like oh weed that's not a real addiction but it really is for some people and for that i feel like every time i've quit in the past it's always me counting the days like sort of like that oh yep i've gone three days i've gone one week i've gone two weeks and it's like you said it's like constant battle you know what i mean so then all it can take is like that one drag of a joint and then boom it's just triggered that cycle and like you said it's because you haven't really dealt with the underlying cause but also the approach that you're taking whereas sometimes it's like in the one of the videos that you made on overcoming this you said you just knew in your core like yeah i'm done you know, you just kind of, you remove that option. So that way you're not using your, your will. People hated those videos that I made. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those videos got a lot of hate. 
did they? Not all of them. Not all of them. The one where I'm in the muscle shirt and I'm all like, the lighting is perfect. My traps look huge. I'm like, oh, look at like a bodybuilder. Everyone hated that one. They're like, oh, you replaced it for steroids. But that's not even the case. So it, it's funny when you when you see people's reactions when you're like doing well. A lot of them don't like it because it triggers something in them. Mm. And what would you say to those who say that you're just replacing it with something else? Nature abhors a vacuum. So if there was an addiction that you had that took up a big chunk of your thoughts and your time, unless you're replacing it with nothing, which could translate into meditation, that's still something. You're always going to replace the void with something. Um, it's just a matter of replacing with something healthy over something unhealthy. Mm, absolutely. So what's what's been kind of helping you like outside of facing your trauma and stuff like that, unless you wanted to get into the underlying you need therapy course. for that like yeah. me like explaining the trauma i don't i don't know if it would it might help some people but i couldn't even like point to one thing and say well, that's it that's the thing like it's it's usually a big array mm. of uh beliefs that we've held about ourselves and experiences that led us to think certain things and um inadequacies inadequacies we might have felt from you know branching from childhood to early relationships like you got you're unpacking this really giant box and there's just so many different things that you it's never just one i mean maybe actually it's for some people there is one definitive moment where they were like you know something really horrible happened to them mm. for some people it is but for others for me it wasn't like that it was like a big collection of shit and i had to um kind of re reacquaint myself with my true self-worth because i think underneath most of mine was i didn't really see myself as someone like a value like deep down mm. um i'm probably phrasing this terribly but yeah i i just did not you could say i didn't feel like i had a lot of self-love um and it was like getting to the bottom of those things but i'm kind of lucky because there was actually points when i was younger when i had a lot of passions um that I was excited about every day. Like I remember being a kid and actually waking up every day and just being so excited to go do art. And it was like, I would just, I used to make these stop motion videos with plasticine people. And I remember I would have been like nine or 10 every day. All I would do is think up new like movies I could make. And then I'd spend all day filming these little stop motions with these like clay blob guys. And I loved it. And it was like, that sounds like, yeah, of course you were a kid, but just knowing that there was a time in my existence where I actually just enjoyed doing something that wasn't a drug mm. was huge because then I could like say, okay, I've actually enjoyed life before without needing exogenous compound, like the interference of these exo exogenous compounds to impregnate me with this artificial elation. And it's like just knowing that I had, I was pretty like, you know, elated. Like I was pretty joyful without drugs, regardless of being a kid or not was really valuable for me for overcoming it because then I just thought like it's not like I'm creating something new I'm just going back to how I was at an earlier time am I making sense yeah yeah absolutely I think because when we're a kid that kind of gives us a window on what our authentic self is before the societal programs and all this bullshit that comes in and all the habits and patterns that come later and it's a good way to actually find out who you are is like go back what did I actually enjoy as a kid? What came naturally to me? Before like the stresses, that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Before yeah. like all life threw the stress on you. I, I remember when stresses started to show up in my life, it would always feel like a new weight was being added to my body. Like there was just, just one weight. Now now you've got like 
30 pounds of stress now 40 and it just you know it actually you could feel like it's weighing you down it's just like a new layer of shit is constantly added like i remember being like okay now i'm in high school and then what are my worries now now i've got to worry about uh you know university college a job and then after that you've got to worry about paying rent and like all these little things just start piling up Hmm. and um yeah, I was really bad at managing stress. That would be something that led me to um, using drugs because I would just feel a lot of anxiety around stressful things. So the drugs would give me a temporary relief of that anxiety. Yeah, and drugs can give, well, they kind of seem like a magic pill at that time. I think like I used to, I was like an alcoholic for so long. Well, I'm Australian, so it's kind of synonymous, but I used it for social anxiety and it kind of gives you that false sense of like, oh, I can talk to people now. But then it was just kind of masking that. And over time, I know what I've discovered, and I don't know if you can take it or leave it, but I feel like whatever a drug gives you is usually the exact thing that it takes away long term. You know, so if you think that alcohol gives you more confidence and decreases your social anxiety, I think over time, that's usually the things that it ends up deteriorating, you know, or with weed. That's what the ADHD drugs do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it gives you focus. And then over time, do you find that it just destroys your your focus over time? Yeah. Or it's like weed with creativity or inspiration or feeling less stressed out. I think over time, when you do it for such a long time, those are the things that get affected the most. So it's interesting. I agree with you. Um, There's actually some pharmacological evidence to point towards why that happens, like on an actual, like tangible level say this isn't fully why it happens but it's just an easy way to understand it for people to like able, like conceptualize what you're saying in, in like a real life scenario say um opioids when you're taking opioids all the time your brain is already got like it's normal levels of say neurotransmitters before the opioids come in so then when you're taking the opioids you're actually like say dopamine and everything is raised higher but as you're taking opioids more every single day, your natural levels levels of dopamine decrease more and more. So it gets to the point where it's like the opioid is only bringing you like slightly above your normal amount. So whatever you were taking it for initially when your normal amount was here, say it brought you up to here for dopamine and say that dopamine was responsible for confidence. So it's like not very confident self. Now you have this higher influx of dopamine. So you're more confident. But as you're taking it more and more, as your natural levels drop more and more, it's like now without it, you're all the way down here and it's like it just took away whatever confidence you had so now you need it just to have normal confidence Mm. yeah absolutely i feel like that's how even antidepressants work right so then your brain gets used to getting all this flood of serotonin so it needs to kind of i don't know it's like the it ends up requiring more of that right so then yeah i don't i can't speak on this i've never researched um like ssris in in depth is that how they work i just know about the ones that i've taken (laughs) Yeah, and well, because I've spoken to a lot, like a lot of people who've reached out to me who've kind of gone through like this crazy depressive rut or existential crisis and they end up getting on the SSRIs. And of course, you know, we're, we're not doctors, we're just YouTube guys. Do what you got to do. But I've do. heard those are some of the worst things you can get on, to yeah, be honest. Absolutely. Like they're, they're really bad for you long term. Yeah. Uh, just as a legality thing, it's like, yes, don't listen to me, but. My personal opinion, yeah, I've, I've always been kind of against it. Even at the times when I was so depressed and even almost suicidal as a as a teen and even early 20s, I refused to get on antidepressants. I was like, I would rather just be depressed because I, I've seen it mess so many of my friends up. So yeah, I kind of have a polarized 
view on it but I've, it's i don't know man it's, it's hard to ignore the patterns that i see over and over again and i get people reaching out to me all the time who end up being on antidepressants and then over time it just ends up fucking them up more but it's a band-aid it's another band-aid yeah it's, you're, like the antidepressants they're not going to tackle the root cause of anything they're just going to make you feel better temporarily they but here's the thing they're very it's a very insidious kind of uh drug because they claim that the root problem is your lack of serotonin so they're like yeah, oh, you're right. depressed because you have this serotonin deficiency and now this is going to help you replenish it so it actually does tackle the root problem but i don't think it does i, no. don't, I don't think it does but I, again, I that's my personal opinion the, the, the only like situation which i can see that antidepressants can be useful is if you're like really close of killing yourself and antidepressants can just buy you another day you know just to do your stuff or maybe just give you energy to go to therapy or something like that i can understand in certain extreme situations but i don't buy this depression or anxiety or mental health issues it's oh it's just a chemical imbalance and they kind of just materialize it into this very surface level understanding it's it goes hard saying stuff that. like that because it, it goes deeper, but sometimes it is like a chemical imbalance is part of it. It's just not the oh, whole absolutely. thing. Oh, absolutely. It's a manifestation of a, yeah. Because I'm not saying it's not a chemical imbalance. It's just when people use the word just, it's just a chemical imbalance. Therefore, all you need to do is take a drug to rebalance your chemicals and yeah, you'll be all right, mate. No worries. <laughs> yeah, but the thing with that is like your brain is always trying to reach a state of homeostasis. So it's like whatever these, what you were saying, whatever the drugs give you, they end up taking away. It's because your brain's always trying to reach a state of normal. And um, yeah, the drugs become your new normal at a cost. There's always a cost. Yeah. And I think it's just, we don't, especially in our modern society, we don't like to just feel bad. And sometimes it's okay. Like if you feel sad or if you feel low or if you feel depressed no this isn't taught it is okay to feel sad yeah it's encouraged you should experience all your array of emotions that's what we're here for absolutely and that's what it is it's just because we it's like this pursuit of happiness right we just always want to be happy 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 so as soon as we feel sad or low it's like oh fuck something's wrong with me oh shit this has been going on for a while then they just kind of chase that new high you know and i feel it man i was like that was a pleasure fiend for a very long time so now i've just learned to deal with those emotions so even when i feel sad even when i had like that crazy that infamous existential crisis after a boga i could have easily have just gone and taken drugs make myself feel better but i just i'm like nah it's fine i'm just gonna have to be miserable for a while i know that my brain will rebalance eventually you know and as good as an artist too i suppose kind of going through to those <laughs> dark depths sometimes you learn a lot about yourself Hmm. What what did you learn when you went to those depths? I learned, mate. This where where do we even begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you learned. Sorry, I'm not trying to quiz you. You just it was just the question popped in my head. Well, I learned a lot of things. One, well, it kind of gave me a reality check on just where I was going, and also the kind of darker sides of psychedelics. And I think that if that didn't happen, I would have gone towards a maybe a unhealthy direction. But also just about reality, empathy, because it kind of it dissolved all those veils. You know what I mean? So like, there was a time where I couldn't even go out in public, and every time I'd walk past like a homeless person, I would just pfft, dude, it would fucking destroy me because I was him, right? So then I would like go through all like, oh, it was just a lot of like existential dread and death and 
you know that feeling of like when your family member dies or someone that you love dies and you get that really oh that gut heart sinking feeling i was basically constantly in that state so just over time it just made me grateful just to be alive and human and have friends and like i could write a book because there's so many different roads we can go down because it's obviously very laid but it also just inspired me to go through all these different roads and just be a better person because i had to so you grew a lot from it it was oh, a good like absolute experience it was the best so yeah thanks adam but also fuck you now nah. <laughs> nah. i'm not responsible no 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 i'm just i'm just teasing bro <laughs> i actually no for real though that was like the out of all my trips that i've ever had that was by far the one that produced the most tangible growth absolutely we should unprivate the video so people can see it just let me know when you're ready all right all right uh Maybe we can no kind of pressure. maybe we can kind of redo it. Not necessarily the video, but just kind of or maybe you can send it to me so then that way I can kind of edit it and then put my own little twist at the end or something. Yeah, of course. We can talk about that after. I just need to figure out what hard I have so many hard drives. If I can find it, yeah, I'll yeah. send it to you. Otherwise I can send you just the hideous YouTube version, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I think just sometimes it was just hard to watch because it's like your your worst I guess you're just your lowest low just being on YouTube. Yeah, I'm and like, I'm pretty uh, sure at the time I, I I think I edited it in a very comedic way, so it probably didn't do the experience justice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably part of it as well. But I was I was seeing the uh the our LSD video together and I was like, "Holy shit, man. That's like it holds up really well. It's hilarious." It's like yeah, doing really well. Nah. That one was fun. I wanted to Very weird ask you. Experience, um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you here in your story. You talked about um, something about your your view on psychedelics. Um, they were really dark for a while. I think you said. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. How? What's your view like now? Uh, I would say that psychedelics is just a double edged sword. They can be incredibly dark for some people. It's just it's. <sighs> There's no one fit answer, right? I still think that they're mysterious tools, which we know like hardly anything about and only time will tell. And for some people, I think it can help for sure. At least give them awareness of maybe certain negative behavior patterns or maybe give them a spiritual experience so that they can love life more, right? Experience being a human. And then for other people, they get sent to a psych ward, right? So it's like, it just depends. I know that it's like context, setting, dose, where you do it. But uh, what's most important, though, is, is who you are, I think, is mm. the most important like ingredient in the whole set and setting thing. Like even beyond like your, your set, like meaning like how you feel, it's who you are deep down. Absolutely. And some people just aren't meant to do it. And sometimes you learn the hard way. So, yeah, but I don't... But in terms of like, let's say taking psychedelics constantly for spiritual growth i think that's when things can go a bit dark if that's what you're relying on like that you, if your framework is like i need this to grow or i need this to heal myself then i feel like that can set this downward spiral of because you're, you're you're putting all your all this weight on an external right so you're kind of telling your subconscious i don't have what it takes i don't have this within me myself so it's something that i I can see it can be very beneficial for sure, but it's got to be taken sparingly. Like I don't, 
believe that like let's say tripping every weekend can be a good thing even if you tick all the boxes and do all the right things <laughs> it's a slippery slope because because it's human it's not the psychedelic it's human nature right we fall into pride eventually and but i would um yeah. put a caveat on that that there are times when you're in more of an explorative place in your life mm-hmm. and when you're in that explorative zone sometimes tripping every weekend is okay but as long it usually isn't like a, a long lasting endeavor like yeah, maybe yeah. you'll go on for like a month and then you'll take like a massive break um it's it's really hard to judge what is okay and what is not because i think everybody is different and for some people that is actually what they need it's really hard standing on the sidelines to say what is good or bad for a lot of these things absolutely that's why it's like so it's so multi-layered you know and when i say like doing it every week and i'm talking like doing it long term i just couldn't see even in one situation someone well okay maybe i'm being a bit too polarized here but it's hard for me to see how doing psychedelics every single weekend for the rest of your life can be good for anyone i mean no, hey, that's, you, i'm not saying that that's that's yeah, intense. yeah i know you're that's not extreme. saying that but that, that's what i'm saying because some people will say like oh it's a it's a medicine like they'll treat it like a vitamin or something like that when it's like it's a, it's a bit different than a vitamin yeah but some people are part of these churches um like i know there's a big community where i live that are part of the ayahuasca church on oh, brazil right it, uh the, yeah, the santo, Brazilian church. The santo daime right daime that's what i was looking for that word daime yeah yeah um, i've heard of that one and they like a lot of people um that we know here uh that's their medicine and i think they have it once a month i, I could be wrong yeah no no i think it's it's once a month they do it and um a lot of them say that's their therapy like i've actually asked some of them like why are they do and they're like well that's my therapy is going to the church but it's not the same it's not like tripping like in a sense like they're actually they sing hymns the whole time they're they're there and they're singing like they take ayahuasca and they just fucking sing yeah that, that's not yeah. my idea of like a fun trip so and they do <laughs> it very sitting, different they do it sitting down they do and they do it in a church too because i feel like when you do it in a in a kind of stage where you're just doing it by yourself all the time that's when you can kind of you're more vulnerable to slipping into delusion right and because psychedelics can be alluring sometimes you can kind of buy into the your own bullshit whereas if you're doing it with a community and you have friends and family who care about you that they're, they're willing to call you out on your bullshit because you've seen it man with some cult leaders who kind of get into psychedelics and they kind of lose the plot things like that so it depends who you are no it's an individual for sure yeah basis. that's what i was saying it depends who you are and the thing that's interesting with psychedelics is who you are can change if, if i think especially if you're a person who um favors growth and learning as like the main like virtue that they're following in life um if, if you're that kind of person and you are constantly in a state of growth and sometimes growth i've talked about this where it's not just a straight line sometimes growth sometimes you're growing but it feels like you're doing worse do you know what i mean mm. but like if you were to zoom out it's still growth so sometimes it's hard to say when you're growing up but regardless that's not part of my point if you're that kind of person then i feel like psychedelics will be different for you and i'm speaking from experience because they've been they've changed dramatically for me depending on what phase of your life you're in because now when i take psychedelics it is it is so drastically different from when say I took them with you when we were doing that video. It is night and day different. Yeah. In what way? Mm. Starting from just the biggest, if I'll talk about the biggest way first is how I'm mentally affected. I'm no longer just completely like swept away in fear and anxiety thoughts. Like I used to have so many, well, I have so many stories of bad trips 
because when I used to take psychedelics, my mind wasn't sound and I was still in my addiction and, and I was just, I think, starting to learn how to heal. But I, I don't even think I was aware that I had much of a problem. I was in a big denial phase. So a lot of my trips geared towards fearful things. They made for great stories. The stories are great. Like, yeah, I'm running around <laughs> naked in the forest or something. Like, they're great stories, but like, what? that's not reflective of a healthy person who's tripping. Yeah. When you're healthy going into it, you don't find yourself smashing on strangers' doors thinking that you're at your own house, like, and scaring the shit out of people. Like, there's... You know, or finding yourself going to the hospital because you're losing your mind and, and you, you think that you can walk through walls. Like I've had so many crazy things happen and it all stemmed from not being mentally sound to begin with, which led me to have, I had a, just straight up, I had a lot of anxiety and fear that I carried with me daily and I wasn't even consciously aware of it all. So the psychedelics would come in and they would pull out all those anxieties and fears and they would just that would just show it to me. And you would say, so why did you keep tripping if it was so fucking scary? Because there, it's polarizing because while I had these peaks of fear, there was equal peaks that I would experience of just bliss and joy. So it was like I took the good with the bad, which is why I kept doing it. Exactly the same and, with me, yeah. It was like, yeah, like yeah, the so underlying now, anxiety and depression and all this shit and yeah. I, I, I don't know, it's hard to say because again, it was all growth at the end of the day. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, maybe I should have slowed down when I was in a vulnerable mental space. Because, um, yeah, I've had my nightmare, my fair share of nightmare trips, but also the amazing 10 out of 10 euphoric mystical highs as well. So it's kind of it's kind of a 50. It's a grab bag, though. When you're in, when you're in the fear, <laughs> it's a grab bag. You don't know what you're going to get. You just yeah. got to reach in and hope it doesn't your hand doesn't get bit off. Exactly. But, yeah. So you can you can relate to what I'm saying. Um, so. So that's what's changed. So now my mind is much more clear and calm. And I've been practicing daily meditation for years now. I think it's been over two. Yeah, it's for sure been two and something years. And just to be, I haven't been, I was almost 100% consistent with it, but I do go through periods where like maybe for a couple months, I'm not doing it every day, but I'm still practicing it maybe six times. Like I'm being very hard on myself. Sometimes I skip a day, but I'm pr I've been pretty good with learning how to meditate. And um, I took some... Like I took a transcendental meditation course. Like I've learned various ways to meditate besides just the mindfulness practice that I was doing before, just to get like a more rounded view on what meditation means to different cultures and um, learning how to observe my thoughts was absolutely paramount to um, learning how to explore psychedelics in a much more calm and relaxed way. Because now when I have like an intense experience, I'm not saying I don't have intense experiences, but now when it's intense, knock on wood, I'm more likely to just put my head down and breathe through it versus before I would get up and run around and try to fight it, which mm. would make the anxiety get bigger and bigger. So it's like that little change of being able to observe and just breathe through things. And it's kind of, it sounds like a little change, but it's huge because now I have the confidence and the um, life experience. Like I can reflect back and be like, oh, I've been here before and I've, I've worked through it. And it just builds your confidence level. So it's like, I'm no longer afraid absolutely yeah so which you, makes you, the experiences so much better yeah when you when you're peace in mind and peace in your heart it just makes dealing with stress a lot easier because there's a lot of things that used to bother me on a daily basis where i'm i'm a pretty chill guy in a good way like just being at peace you know and i think meditation helps a lot obviously exercising eating well being with 
family and friends and all that kind of stuff. The discipline. You need discipline. the discipline, man. Discipline. Yeah. Exactly. Because, <laughs> yeah, man, like, I think even during, like, gone through my dark phases, but I think as well, on top of all that, what we're talking about, I think it's because I had a YouTube channel about psychedelics. So that way, I think it was like my identity was wrapped up in this thing too, which kind of complicated things. So, like, how did that go for you? I just dropped it. There, there was a period when, when my identity was wrapped up in it and, and it kind of came to a cataclysmic end where I had what I called the worst trip of my life. And it was because the channel was alive for like a year and a half and I thought that I was this psychedelic master because I make videos about it. And I invited two friends over and we had a trip. When I've talked about this trip so many times before. The one where they had I me remember. a headlock. Yeah. Yeah. After that trip... I, I completely dropped my psychedelic ego. I was just, it was, it was killed. Like, I feel like metaphorically and almost literally from being choked out so many times, like I lost consciousness. I it was killed. Yeah. Yeah. Obliterated got, got my humbled. ego. Like, I don't know shit. <laughs> I had to go through that as well. <laughs> yeah. So after that, I know a lot, like it, it sounds, it might sound crazy, but I don't like in my head ever think that because I have a channel about psychedelics that the rules don't apply to me, those thoughts just don't enter my head. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it, I think like making videos on this kind of stuff and sort of being an authority, like especially for yourself because you, you're like, well, still to this day, you're like the biggest psychedelic channel of all time. Like, and congrats on the 2 million subscribers. I know it doesn't like truly matter, but it's still a cool milestone, especially. Oh, thank you for such a controversial topic, you know? And it's hard, man, when YouTube suppresses stuff frequently. Oh, absolutely. Dude, yeah. I'll have a video that's, that say um, within, I had one recently, within like three days, it hit half a million. And you know how YouTube works. It's projected to hit millions at that point when it's building that fast. And then boom, they slap an age restriction on it and it just dies. Yep. And mm -hmm. it's like, when that happens consistently, if I had hair, I would, like, you know, it's like you're trying to grow this channel. You're doing everything you can. And some sometimes it feels like everything is against you. But it's that's kind of part of the fun is being creative and working through that. Mm, absolutely. So I'm just saying it's it's hard. If it, if it wasn't for some of the, um, some of the, if it wasn't for the fact that it was controversial and not, not to sound arrogant, but the channel would be so much bigger. It's hard to grow when, when you get, um, when you're being like suppressed sometimes. Yeah, I'm sure you felt the same way about your videos as well. Of course. I remember us going through those. We, we got a few strikes on our channel when we were traveling New Zealand. And it's happened a couple of times after that. Luckily, we got them reinstated. But it's scary, man. And especially because YouTube can give... I don't think YouTube should be allowed to give a strike via a bot. You know what I mean? Like, if they're going to give a strike, they better make sure that it's a human really looking at this properly. You know what I mean? Because it's like some people's livelihood. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not even talking about that part. I'm, I'm just talking about the part of, I'm just the algorithm itself, like oh, that not too. wanting yeah, yeah. to promote certain things. Yeah, well, even because I've noticed that even if I make a video on, let's say, helping people overcome their weed addiction, that gets age restricted because you, and then I try to appeal that. There's like, certain nah. drugs they don't like, dude. Yeah, yeah weed, they hate it's, the it's most. It's really man. weird. They hate weed. They, they hate, hate weed. <laughs> I can smoke 5-MeO DMT, monetize, Tom, no worries. stop. Don't even say the word weed. We have to beep weed out of this video okay. or they're going to demonetize it. <laughs> oh, shit. I know, man. It's crazy. Weed, they really You know what hate. they also hate? 
What? They hate anything to do with a vape. So weed, even if it's not a weed vape, if you, and you can't, here's the thing. You can't even show the device. They don't like showing devices, like smoking devices. Guess what? I got an age restriction uh, the other day for a video that was a joke video. The video is a minute and 30 seconds long and it, the whole thing's a joke, but they didn't, they didn't age restrict it because of anything to do with drugs. It had a bunch of drug jokes in it. They age restricted it because at one point I lit a napkin on fire and I was holding a napkin lit on fire. Because they actually, some, not always, but sometimes they'll tell you the part of problem, which is weird. Why don't they always tell you? Sometimes they don't. But this time they were like, at 041, there was a problem. And this is why we gave you an age restriction. So I go and I watch. I'm like, so I guess I'm encouraging dangerous behavior by lighting a napkin on fire. So like Awesomeness. sometimes they age restrict for the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the weirdest, it was a, it was a gag. The whole, it was just a gag, but they'll, they'll do it for like things that you don't think at the time. Like I wasn't thinking, oh, if I light this on fire, they're going to age restrict me. Like it's, it's weird sometimes. Sometimes you get age restricted on a drug video and it actually has nothing to do with the drugs. Yeah. And I guess like, I guess with the weed beep, I can, I'm going to have to have a beeping machine every time I say weed. So I don't have to edit it later, but maybe with weed, I guess I'm just like trying to understand from YouTube's perspective, because maybe there are too many people just kind of blazing up and kind of encouraging young people to smoke weed all the time or i don't know I mean, it's what a it drug is. at the end of the day at the end of the day it's a very popular drug absolutely and now and it's not legal yeah. everywhere if it was legal here's what the here's the most baffling thing sorry to cut you off i just get really passionate about this yeah yeah. Oh, good they go have it. alcohol advertisements on youtube with like women he, he, right with hot now boobs and shit having a good time at a bar you know they like they glamorize it but then with cigarettes this they is put listening. dead babies <laughs> no but dude if I, I've noticed since I quit alcohol, if I actually start talking about alcohol because I don't commonly talk about it, the phone's listening to me. And then I guarantee you any money, I'll go watch YouTube later and I'm going to get an alcohol ad because it heard me right now say that. And now it's going to like, it's wow. so imagine you're a recovering alcoholic and you're at like your AA meetings with your phone on you. And next thing you know, you're just getting like Heineken ads or like Corona ads for the beer. Um, you know, it's like. The beer, yeah, like I, I like how you have to. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were talking about, but you got to clarify. Yeah. We actually probably should just beep that beer. The, that poor beer probably got destroyed in this whole thing. I know, right? That's so funny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so my point is, they're allowed to advertise alcohol, which is one of the most dangerous drugs in the world. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. crimes, how many murders? I forgot what the percent of murders. It's something outrageous, like 80 plus. I'm guessing. I know it's huge. It's a huge percent of murders where the person's always got alcohol. Like, it's most commonly to be drunk when you commit a crime, especially murder. Um, how many people are killed in drunk driving? How many people die from, like, cirrhosis of the liver, um, heart problems? Alcohol causes so many problems, and they can fucking advertise for it, and you can't talk about weed. Mm. They must own the... Yeah, obviously. Or how about they, they must mushrooms. have some hands in the you know mushrooms? No one's ever died from eating mushrooms, but you can get age restricted for having a video about mushrooms. But you can drink alcohol on camera, and nothing will happen when it kills people every day. Like, yep, I know. It's actually it's the first, it's the earliest death that I have in my memory. It was my my dad's friend's wife? She got found dead with two uh, bottles of spirits. And that was like the first funeral that I ever went. So I always remember that as a kid. And even like, I'm not going to, because I, I don't really want to talk about details, but I've done some horrific, monstrous things while drunk. Like shit that's like, pfft. like I've kind of, 
had to go and piece at it now, but like it can really turn you into something you're not, like really turn you into a monster. And I've seen the underworld of that shit so much. We never man. got drunk together, did we? I don't think we ever No, did. no, no, no. I don't think we drank alcohol at all. Oh, no, we did. We actually did. Alcohol? We did that one video. We drank and then we filmed you talking about your horrific ayahuasca experience while we were drunk. And we never posted it because we were too drunk in it. No, no, no. I don't think so, dude. I don't remember. I do. I remember this clearly because I remember, or maybe it was just me. I was definitely drugged. Maybe you just had one. Or maybe there was one video. What it was, you gave me like a little bit of your ADHD medicine. No, 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 not that one. No, no, maybe you don't remember because I remember trying to edit it and being like, I can't post this. I'm too fucking drunk. Anyway. Ah, yes, I remember. Yeah, it was. I think it wasn't that you were drunk. I think you sounded drunk or something like that. I was probably drunk. Yeah, <laughs> if I okay. sounded drunk, I was probably nah, drunk. Nah, because this, this was during the stage where I was like anti-alcohol. Like I, I, was, I didn't drink for like so years. Maybe it was just me. I was yeah, just yeah, drinking yeah. and you were sober in the video. Yeah. Not that I'm like, I'm not trying to, den- if I drank alcohol, I would admit it. It's fine. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. Like now I can have, because I used to be so anti-alcohol that I wouldn't even have like a beer, you know, for years. But then that was sort of some bullshit I had to get over. Whereas now I can just have, you know, a glass of wine, whatever. But I... Yeah, it's just not for me. I don't touch it. Yeah. I don't touch it. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't do anything good for me. Yeah, nah, I feel you. And that's even today, still to this day. Like if I go to a party with certain people and I'm not drinking, and they have to, they feel like they need to push. Like, are you sure? Just have one, man. Just have one. I'll, I'll shout you. I'll shout you. It's like they got to push. It's like, dude, it's, it's okay. I'm having fun. Like I don't, I don't need to drink. It's well, all good. It's because they're anxious without it. They think that everyone's yeah. like them. Yeah, and I used to be like that, but now I'm like, yeah don't have to i don't i don't need a substance to kind of just feel good you know so i had um well, i used to be like that with alcohol i used to need yeah. it for the social lubrication because I, w- I had a lot of social anxiety and that's what most of course young people have social anxiety so it's the perfect drug for them and it's the worst drug for them yep it is a good social lubricant in that sense but again like we we're talking about before like if you're constantly relying on it and then eventually it just makes you more anxious and then you have to drink more and more and more and more over time and it just you know we don't even have to talk about the dangers of alcohol we all know but people love it man especially in australia i'm sure in canada too big drinkers right yeah so how did you go like because you you talked about this on your video on how like when you were getting really into into nangs or whippets whatever you want to call them like how often were you doing it and like what what kind of amounts and then how did that affect your relationship with your with your family and then how did you kind of specifically whippets are you talking like or i was doing a bunch of different drugs not just whippets okay well you can yeah go into that like what what kind of drugs were you doing specifically all right i guess um for people who are watching you that don't that don't know i've talked about this a lot but just just yeah yeah just just for my viewers who, who aren't aware yeah so i was taking um so I was drinking alcohol in the evenings and I wasn't getting necessarily getting drunk every night. When when I was really sad and things were going really bad with my relationship, I would get uh, drunk. But for me, drunk would be like maybe six or seven drinks. Like it wasn't like an outrageous amount, um, but I was still having some alcohol most evenings, at least one to three drinks usually. And then, which, so, you know what, some people wouldn't even say that's an addiction, but if you're doing it every day, it's an, it's an addiction. I hate to say it. Um, and then I was taking Kratom, which was the big culprit. That was the main thing I was doing. And it was, um, it's very sneaky how it starts. Like I would, I would start where 
by start, I mean, I would have these periods where I would start small and my dose would get higher and higher. And then I'd quit and say I'd quit for two months. And then again, I'd start small, higher and higher. And then I quit for two months. And I was in this cycle mm. of I would always quit when I get scared that the dose was getting too high, but I'd always start again. And um, it's weird when you're in the cycle with Kratom because it actually has a reverse effect. You'd think that since you've quit so many times, it gets easier to quit. But it's like the more times that you've quit, the harder the next one gets. Like by the last time I quit, I no word of a lie thought I, I was positive I was going to be doing it for the rest of my life. Like I couldn't even picture my life without it. Like that's how entwined entwined I was with the the drug. It was just as bad, if not really worse than cigarettes, because that's how cigarettes get you. It gets to the point where it's like it just becomes part of your routine. And it's the habit part of it is like you start associating things that you enjoy with it. Like say um, going um, something like a family dinner, you'll think in your head, okay, so before dinner I can go out and have a smoke. After dinner I'll have a smoke. Like everything you do is planned around when and where you can smoke. Even go to the movies. I used to be a smoker, so I know oh, this. Oh, dude, yeah. You would go so like, your, your oh, you'd be like, was like is like my weed because what you're describing, you could just replace that word with weed. And it's like, yep, yep, exactly, exactly. I know exactly. Like, that's there you exactly go. What so I was that's what Kratom's like. Dude, yeah. I wouldn't leave the house. Leaving the house meant I had to take some Kratom yeah. when it got bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're just doing it so much. And I would rationalize that my dose was low. So, um, I mean, some people take outrageous doses. Like some people take like 25, 50 grams a day, which is mind-boggling. Like a high dose on the internet. If you look up a high dose, it'll be like five to eight grams. What do you got? Oh, I painted this for you. Thank you, sweetheart. That's a, oh my gosh, you're so burned. What happened? What happened? I know, but it's big. That's cool. Hi, Tom. Hey, Jasmine, how's it going? Can Tom hear me? Yeah, I think he can hear you. I've got headphones on. I can hear you. You look good. You, you got some nice color in your face. Um, I, I've lost my train. What, what was I talking about? Uh, the Kratom and some people using like crazy doses. Oh, right. So yeah. I would rationalize that it wasn't bad because I was using such a little amount. Like I would, my first dose was often, um, like when I would get back to baseline, like say I just quit, let's make this scenario. I just quit and I, I would have the dose. Sometimes I would only have like two grams, like very small doses, but I would always mix it with coffee and the coffee would actually make the small dose feel like a big dose. And um, it gets to the point where I, you actually can't even, if I would take the Kratom without the coffee, it was like I couldn't feel it. So it's like they both go in tandem. And then uh, people think coffee's not bad, but when you're having like six coffees a day because you're having six Kratoms a day, it's like it is extreme, the effects that caffeine has when you're doing it all day, every day. Like it fucks your sleep up, um, dopamine's depleted, like, oh man. So so yeah, so I know I'm going off on massive tangents here, but I just want to explain what the addiction was like. Um um, but yeah, so it would start off at one dose and then I'd, I'd just do two doses and then three doses. And it's not like within a week. Like sometimes I'd only be at, I'd be at one dose for like four months, like maybe even longer. And then I, it would slowly become two. And then four months later, it's three. Like it was very gradual, my increases. The first time I ever took Kratom, I stayed at one dose a day for years before it raised to two a day. So it, it like, it really sneaks up on you. And um, especially for me, because I thought I had all this self-control and it just, Yep. No. no. That's, it's I, like once I think you it's break. A, it's a pride issue, right? Like once you think that, no, I can deal with this. I'm good. I can just, <laughs> I can keep my dose until this level. It's doing A, B, and C for me. It's actually 
giving me more pleasure in life and then your subconscious believes that it's because it's giving you more pleasure than it's giving pain then that's when it it's much harder to quit because that's something that i had to go through in my mind with with cannabis so i feel we should talk about your cannabis thing um as well i want to hear how you can relate to mine so so anyway the kratom got to a point where it'd be like six times a day say Mm-hmm. But but again, I'm rationalizing because like, oh, I'm only having little doses all day. But all those little doses add up. So it would be alcohol Absolutely. in the evenings, kratom. I was doing coffee. Um, and then the balloons got introduced. And then I would be having, um, you know, a few balloons a day. The balloons weren't crazy. It would depend on the day. Like, again, the balloons would start with maybe I'd have one or two here or there. And then it might raise to 10 and then maybe 20. But like, if you want to talk about like the height of things, I was doing like a box of 25 a day, maybe more wow. if, it, if it was a day where i was like tripping as well or doing something else i could easily go through 50 so it all these little things all these little doses and all these safe drugs add up because in my head all the stuff i was doing was safe i mean it's just coffee it's just a few drinks of alcohol it's just kratom like none of these drugs in the doses i was doing were dangerous and then to top it off occasionally i was still taking um some form of stimulant i never went back to amphetamines like i think i quit those two about two or so years ago so i wasn't taking those but i would take lighter like um lighter stimulants like methylphenidate so ritalin i had a prescription for that um but i wasn't taking that every day that was the only one i wasn't doing every day i would take it though if i had a video to do so got it's i was at the point where it's like i could not make a video unless i was on a stimulant so it would either be methylphenidate or some research like some rc something like 3 fpm uh worked i used that a handful of times um but uh but yeah, I mean, that would only be maybe two or three times a week doing the stimulants. That wasn't like every day, but still it adds up, man. Oh, so that, so yeah, that was the list. That's like five drugs. Basically I was addicted to. Wow. And then once you quit that, obviously life would have changed dramatically and then your relationships got better. And how did that go? For you? But, the, like post, but the thing is each drug had its own thing that it was covering. Right. So like uh, right, yeah. I was convinced that I needed the stimulants to work. So now I go in my head, how do I edit or make videos without the stimulant so it's like that drug was covering my work scenario now how do i relax and unwind in the evening without the alcohol because that was my thing i was looking forward to was that drink so it's like now my evenings feel like they're going to be do what i mean like every drug had something that it was filling so it was really interesting just to cut them all Mm. how was that experience i documented it i have a video all right I'll, i'll check that out maybe i can put some clips within this podcast yeah i filmed the first uh 13 days and then i filmed every few days like i did an update every day of what it was like um there was one there was one day where i messed up with alcohol and what's not shown in the video is there was a bunch of days where i messed up with the balloons i just didn't you know i didn't film that part of it um because though the balloons were so it was kind of like i had this idea to quit all of them and then it turned into i'm just going to quit the big ones and then the ones that aren't so bad that were kind of riding the coattails of the big ones i did a few times just to get through the hard parts so actually as controversial as this sounds the balloons helped because there was there was times in the beginning where it was like i was really scared i was going to have kratom or something something that would have put me back mm. into that super addiction train cuz kratom was like the 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 top like if there was a pyramid of drugs kratom was the worst one yeah there's, because there's the a kratom hierarchy kept me for everyone yes yeah, yeah. So as long as if if I'm as long as I could quit kratom, I knew the rest would fall away. So if I had to use one of the bottom ones to make sure I didn't use the kratom just to get through, that was fine. That was 
doable. And it sounds really controversial, but it worked. Like I used balloons a few times. And then once the kratom urges were gone, I never touched the balloons. Yep. So it was really all attached to the kratom. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely understand that because there is no absolute because some people will be like, you know, heroin's the most addictive drug in the world or meth is the most addictive drug or cigarettes is the most addictive, but it's different for everyone. Everyone has their own re unique relationship with certain substances and there's, there's a different hierarchy. Like for, for me, weed is at the very top, believe it or not. And I've done, I've done meth, I've done prescription drugs, I've been an alcoholic, I've smoked cigarettes for 10 years, I've done all these sorts of things and it's usually the weed that I've found that is at the top of my personal hierarchy. And once I quit that, then everything else becomes easy. Whereas if I get hooked on weed, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing all these other things, right? Maybe no, I'm, I, I can I'm, relate because yeah. I'm the same way. People, they don't hear that. Have you tried to tell someone that? There's some of those like hardcore AA people mm -hmm. and they don't like, it's like they don't believe you. They think that all the drugs are equally bad, but there's definitely ones that are like your primary drug of problem. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like there's been other ones like, for example, MDMA, I've never had an addiction problem. Every time I've done it, I'll wait like a year before doing it again. If, even if that, like I, in fact, it kind of has an anti-addictive quality because of the come down effect. Because mm. usually, usually people will say like with drugs that have like a really crazy withdrawal effect, therefore it's more addictive. But for me, when a drug has a really intense withdrawal effect, like the couple times I, I did meth, I was like, I'm never touching this again because of the withdrawals and because of the come down was so horrible. I never want to touch it again. So for me, it's like the drugs that are like the slow burners. Those are the ones that I struggle like with. Like Kratom. Kratom yeah, and weed are exactly. very similar, by the way, because they're both very benign. Like there's, there's exactly. not <laughs> much health implications attached to their use. So you mm. think it's safe. Exactly. And it's like that narrative that you tell yourself because I'm like, oh, but weed is good. It has all these medicinal properties that helps me with A, B, C, and D. And then that gives you that addictive voice, that justification that just keep using. And then, it, it, like you said, it, it's insidious, right? It, it sneaks up on you. And by the time you really realize that you have a problem, you're like, oh, shit, I've been smoking well, for And like what you years. said, there's no big come downs. The same with Kratom. No. There's no like, this is a lie though. Once you get really heavy into it, you do start feeling come downs, which is literally just, it leaves and your baseline so low. Like the come down is created from your new baseline being so fucked from mm. chronic use. But like when you first start, when your baseline's like already up here, there's no come down. Like, like I remember, at least for me, I would take it, I'd feel good. And then it would just wear off. Unlike say MDMA, you take it, you feel good. And then you're like, ugh. with Kratom, it's like, you feel a little good and then you're back to normal. So exactly. I thought it was like magic. It was like, now I get to feel slightly better than normal and then normal. And then it's like, you really get addicted to that little boost. And, and that's why it was so addictive to me was because it was so slight. People say, how do you get addicted to something like that? It's because of what you said. I can relate. It's so slight. You rationalize it as not being such a problem too. And you can do it in basically any situation. Cause I was the same, but every time we'd go to a family dinner, I'd smoke weed. Every time I would watch a movie, I'd smoke weed. Before I go to bed, I'd smoke weed. Before doing editing work, I'd smoke weed. Basic, virtually any situation, I could smoke weed and get away with it. Whereas because with other it made drugs, the, it better, right? It would, yeah, exactly. It, it would make it everything, made everything slightly better. better. Yeah, exactly. But then everything else fell apart. But it's just a very, it's just slow, man. It's such a slow burn. And then by the time you you realize you got a problem, that's when, pff, like, not being you able to regulate stop. your emotional your emotions or 
it might lead to other things like maybe watching too much porn or stuff like that your willpower decreases and your identity gets wrapped up into it and then everyone that you hang out with the stoners so it's like how can i hang out with people <laughs> who don't smoke weed and just kind yeah. of stuff like that and yeah because i've gone through many cycles i've kind of recognized the triggers and patterns like for example before uh every time in the early days when i'd quit weed i would like basically cut off all my stoner friends and i couldn't hang out with anyone who smoked weed but of course that's like that battle thing that we were talking about before whereas now not long after i quit for good i was hanging out with a mate and he asked me if i can roll a joint for him because i'm a good roller and i did it and i had zero cravings because like i said I, I shut off that option like me smoking is not a, is no longer an option and i even smoked i even rolled a joint for him so now it's like it's different the the approach that i'm taking so I feel you, mate. Yeah, it seems very similar, the Kratom and weed situation in terms of the patterns that you're, you're describing. Yeah, what you're saying is, is a good um, indication that you're on the right path when, like, say you could roll a joint and you're not feeling overwhelming uh, temptation. I use a similar approach. When I quit everything, I still have it around me. Like, I still have Kratom yep. bags. With mm -hmm. I could go walk and grab one right now. I still have alcohol and it's in storage, but I didn't like dump it all out. I've still got, they were expensive bottles. I, I can't let go of the price tag <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. Some of those bottles I have are like a hundred bucks. I it's couldn't it's do the it. money, not the Kratom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm yeah. thinking maybe, no, the alcohol, I mean, not the oh, alcohol, alcohol is expensive, sorry. not the Kratom. Right, yeah, right, so right. I'm thinking maybe someone else who drinks can have some. Like, like I'm thinking I just don't want to, you know, family drinks, they'll have, they can have some. But my point is I still have it around and I don't have an urge to touch it. Like, I'm not thinking in the back of my head, I can't, like, I want to go sneak some, or I wish I could. Like, it's just, it's it's really empowering when you when you heal this and you can, like, you know, navigate life um, without the stress of feeling like you need something external uh, to complete your internal self. Like, you know, like, you, you start getting, um, you feel satisfied and complacent just being you it's a it's a deflating feeling needing drugs to be happy because you're constantly sanctioning off like your your sense of worth onto external um external devices and it's always temporary and, and you always feel kind of like you know lesser for it do you know what i mean like oh, I'm, i've absolutely. got like i'm a very like i believe in you know, discipline, determination. I, I believe in all of these things. And I think that's what makes like a strong, um, person. Um, and for me wanting, like, I always have this desire. I want to be this strong. I, like I want to, but the vision of myself, I want that to match up with my ideals of what strength is. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I was using drugs, it was like, I did not match up with the person I wanted to be. And it always made me feel less of myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of destroys your self-esteem over time even if you yeah. believe that it gives you confidence in the moment but then when you look back and you look at your life honestly you can't no, deny you're it. weaker because of it like you're like Always, oh i gotta go yeah. travel but now how am i gonna travel is kratom legal there and then without the kratom you're a fucking wreck and yep. it's like you, you your state of mind is completely reliant on the drug and that that's a feeling I, i've never liked even when i was addicted i always hated knowing that I was dependent on it. I like feeling like, you know, I don't need external things to feel a sense of joy or confidence or, you know, et cetera. Yeah, or, or feeling like you're not gonna go back on 
that train because it's around, you know. It's actually what you said was very interesting because I did a similar thing with quitting cigarettes. I was smoking for like 10 years every single day. And the last time that I quit for good and I haven't had cigarettes since, I left a packet on my table. I didn't have to like throw it away or use willpower. Because, my therapist yeah. said the same thing. That's what he did. Yep. That's what I did too. We all did the same thing. Uh, we kept the pack. <laughs> yeah, you just keep it. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that way when it comes to you later down the road, it's not going to like all of a sudden trigger all these old habitual patterns and like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe just one. But you got to be careful yeah. though because some people, some people are not at the point where they can do that. And like, yeah. like it depends on the person. Everyone's different. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking for myself because sometimes you know, like there's, there's a deep knowing and yeah. there's just a fundamental shift in how you think about it so i wish the like so it was a little um i want to say use the word insulting having a lot of my audience um come up in arms against me when i was explaining that i just knew there were so many people in my comments i know this you don't read the comments but i had thousands of comments of people saying that i was full of shit that i was in the pink cloud that my feelings of like that, you know, my feelings of confidence were going to pass and everyone goes through this. And it really was not helpful at all. I must say it's, oh, it's interesting. I, they yeah, think they're sucks. helping, but they're not helping they're, mm. And they were wrong. I was not in the pink cloud. I was like, you know, when you know, you know, but it's, it's when weird you know, you when know. people don't believe you. I wonder what that stems from people thinking that you're bullshitting. And I understand when you're an addict, you tend to lie. Like I get that part of it, but. Maybe it's like person better, projecting I think, to their trust own them. insecurities because for them it's like such a big battle. Like, because some people say like you're never you never cure addiction. It's like a lifelong battle. But then that's the story that you're telling yourself. Like, it doesn't have to be a lifelong battle. It really doesn't. They believe it though, dude. They full on. Yeah. That's the ticket they bought, and they're gonna stay on the train forever. And they want you to be on that train too. They want it to be a battle for you every single day because I'm struggling, Why? so you should too. But it almost feels like these people Misery can't loves fathom. <laughs> they can't fathom that others have a different view of the world, or other people are actually built different than them. They have a different biochemistry. Like it's interesting how some people try to copy paste their view of the world onto everybody when it doesn't work that way. We're all different. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's why with addiction, like of course, there's like the physical component, the chemistry, the biochemistry, and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like it's mostly your psychology, man. It's like the, the narrative that you're telling yourself, for me, I found that is way more important than like the specifics or the technicalities of like what drug is doing what in your brain. I think that's secondary. That can't, you know what I mean? That shouldn't be the mm. main focus. That's why we got into this antidepressant rut in, you know, this mental health epidemic and everyone being on drugs and just kind of just looking at all these problems as purely a physical thing of, oh, it's just a chemical imbalance, you know, just to go back on that. Oh it's, oh, it's just a chemical imbalance. It's only low serotonin. And for some people, it might legitimately just be that, but it's not the same for everyone. You know, and that's the problem about just using, you know, a one-size-fits-all for everybody. We're individuals, mm -hmm. man. We all have our, our own unique stories and physical composition and how we view the world. And like you say, if you believe that you can, you can. If you believe that you can't, you can't. And so it's like... a important to fundamentally shift your belief system about your story that's the most important and that takes time like you said therapy or having someone to mirror or maybe call you out on your bullshit or maybe changing the framing of your questions because a lot of us have very poor language 
that kind of perpetuates these addictive cycles. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a therapist is more valuable than a friend. I think a lot of people, they either there's there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't seek therapy. A big one is they feel like they can't afford it, which is unfortunate. Um, another big thing is a lot of therapists are shit. Like you actually have to put in some work yep. to find a good one. It's true. But I think that that is a really key component. And um, I would go as far as to say if it wasn't for doing the therapy, I don't think I would have gotten out of my addiction cycle. I really don't. Hmm. Now, it's good to see that you're, you're doing really well, man. Like I said, you're fucking looking jacked, disciplined, structure. Be careful. Don't don't talk about that. People are going to sh- jump up and say, now I've replaced the drugs with steroids when oh, I haven't. Right. Yeah. And so, like, what what's your relationship with that anyways? Is that like a, so a long-term I, thing? Like, what's what's your long-term so I do, vision um, with this? I take TRT. Um, so when I was... It's debatable if my testosterone was really that low. I've, I've questioned maybe it was the kratom that was causing it. So my testosterone was down to like 250 nanograms per deciliter, which um, for a male is in like the hypogonadal levels. I could have done things to recover it naturally, but I was already in my like drug phase. So I jumped on uh, testosterone replacement. Mm-hmm. But um, being completely like honest, like completely clear here, I really just took it because I wanted to build some muscle. Like, like I, I saw the benefits of having higher T, but I was like, okay, I see all these health benefits, but really I'm just curious how much muscle I can build and like the most safe, healthy way possible. Um, so yeah, so I do that. And that is the only reason like I've built my physique to this point is because of that. But I actually had a test recently to see with the testosterone replacement, what my testosterone levels are at. And I was shocked by the results. I'm completely average. Really? Yeah, my Even with the was TRT. Six, 600 nanograms per deciliter, and the high end is 1,000. I'm like still average with the wow. TRT. Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. So, yeah, I, I got to check. And I pulled my, this my much level. muscle on at average, which is crazy. So hmm. that makes me think that maybe I was actually low. Maybe I was low for a very long time because I could have never built this muscle size without it. Um, so yeah, I, I think Derek, more plates, he's going to do a video going over my blood results, which will blow a lot of people's minds because everyone was questioning, like, I must be on these crazy steroids. Meanwhile, I actually have average testosterone levels. Huh. Wow. So you, you would have had, like, abnormally low testosterone then if you're, like, taking TRT and now you're kind of average. No, I'm totally average. Like, there's people who take nothing that have higher levels than me, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, I've got I to gotta check mine. I know that my testosterone was really really low especially when i we met in canada and i did the aboga had the existential crisis i think that was definitely a part of it i was very vulnerable in that sense all the shields were down and like i was like a full-on vegan at this stage and all that kind of stuff and i think maybe a year and a half later i started do you remember the number i'm curious what it was do you know what the number was of what my testosterone yeah oh no no i never knew i just had a feeling oh. because I was very oh, okay. kind of going more into the you know effeminate side you know being too a little bit too airy fairy so I just I'm just assuming that <laughs> I would have had lower testosterone you know <laughs> whereas when I, I started see. introducing like high quality meats back into my body it was like it was like a full body orgasm and that cured the last of my anxiety and depression and I have not struggled with anxiety or depression uh, at least in a serious chronic phase for four years not once maybe yeah sure i go through ruts sure i go through sadness 
but that's okay it's not depression depression is when it stays for longer than it's welcomed you know and you can't get out of it so i'm happy with that obviously with a whole bunch of other work the meat was just the final piece of the puzzle just what was your um did you get your eye because i had my iron tested and mine was at six dude it was six or seven is that like, really low it's supposed to be between like something and like up to 400 or some crazy number wow interesting. Um, yeah i think it's supposed to be between 100 and 400 it depends on the oh, test they're shit. all different so six mine is was like at fucking crazy fuck low huh the doctor said that this was like risk of like medical emergency low like i should be getting wow. dizzy heart palpitations so i started i learned this when i got my testosterone checked because i got them all checked and then i was like oh so not only was my testosterone low but my iron was low and i was vegan too remember all i was eating was yep. fish Yep, the, the only meat I was eating was it's not vegan, but I was vegan for a while, and then I changed to having fish, and I'm sure all of that. Fuck me, I was like on paper anemic, like 100% anemic, and now my last test when I found out that my testosterone was average now, um, my iron was at 68, so it's still it's still like it's 68 is better than seven. So. Oh, absolutely seven. That's crazy. <laughs> but it should 100 is like where you like at least it's rising. And I started eating meat. So I started eating red meats again. And it's good to see that it's oh, working. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've noticed a big difference ever, ever since you introduced red meat into your, into your diet? Well, I mean, my iron's higher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I yep. mean, but physically, I think um, when I even first started the TRT, I was still tired a lot. And then when we did my blood work, they were like, oh, it's because your iron's low. Of course, you're still tired. Having iron that low will make you tired. And I'm definitely not tired. Like, I have good energy now. So I think the meat helped with the energy levels. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, some of us just aren't designed yeah. to be vegan. Like, I, and I loved the yeah. vegan life, dude. I was like huge so into I. it. I was <laughs> vegan for like three years. I made videos on it. I influenced <laughs> people to become go vegan and all that kind of stuff. But now yeah, I realize get, that it's, no iron. Go yeah, kill it's yourself. Not, <laughs> it's not a universal solution. You know what I mean? And for me, it really messed me up mentally speaking as well. You never found your blood though. Like for me, it was actually physically dangerous for me. All right. Oh yeah, I've got to. You've inspired me to take a blood test, see how things are. You get a full panel. It's, full uh, it's panel, Sometimes yeah. it's hard finding the right doctor that'll do it. But I'd be curious, obviously, of your testosterone. Because um, I definitely would not recommend jumping on TRT. I would first recommend, if it is low, to do naturally things to raise it. I don't think that TRT is something that everyone should do. Again, if I wasn't into working out, I would never be taking it. It was just because of my working out passion. And how would you increase your testosterone normally? Lifting heavy weights? eating meat what else sleep is huge i think sleep, the yeah. biggest thing I, that I, people I don't realize at least eight hours of sleep a night is is, pro is honestly the biggest oddly enough cannabis raises estrogen levels i think i forget the scientific reason huh. for it but cannabis will lower your testosterone levels of course yeah that makes sense yeah does it how how does it make sense because i've always looked at cannabis as like a kind of feminine type of plant just like kind of archetypically and spiritually speaking it just kind of you you start to go a bit more hmm, you know what i mean not that that's bad but when you're doing it every single day then yeah it just makes sense because even within my own life when i smoke weed all the time especially long term i end up getting less less inspired more lazy more complacent not able to regulate my emotions so that was like my biggest withdrawals was like the fucking mood swings man and just getting really pissed off and angry and and obviously weed makes you kind of like tired and relaxed 
and I could make a whole list of like all the negatives that it was doing. But yeah, I could definitely see that it would lower your testosterone. Even now, like mm. you know, for however long, because I haven't been counting the days, but since I've quit, it's already like my motivation, my confidence, my self-esteem, my inspiration, like all these things, my my energy levels, my everything. How did it return everything. that fast? That that sounds really expedient to get those all back. Yeah, well, and it's still in the early phases, right? So I'm sure if you speak to me in the month, it's even going to go... Because it's a whole bunch of things because like I'm journaling every day. I'm like having, uh, doing coaching and stuff like that, which is helping me just with kind of clarifying my vision. And yeah, a lot of journaling, asking myself right questions, reading books, not playing video games, not wasting my time anymore, uh, doing more work, being more focused, things like that. So it, it all kind of plays into each other and obviously uh because with weed i'm much more susceptible to eating junk food and things like that whereas now my diet is pretty good a good 90 percent clean of just like always eating healthy and fasting and exercising getting sun all these things so it's good good (laughs) good it sounds like you're doing better even though it's it's been such a short period of time it sounds like you're doing better yeah i think it's like closing into a month now mm. i'm not sure like like i said i don't, I don't want to count anymore of like good yeah, i'm a yeah. proponent of not counting so good yeah yeah i'm just like yeah however long it's been it's been a while but everything's been improving the first you gotta write a new story shooting. yeah that's, absolutely. that's what it's about is writing a new story and as long as you're counting you're still in your old story yeah yeah and like even just reminding myself of because I think deep down it was like an unwillingness to let go of weed forever. I always, every time I quit, it was always like, no, I'm just going on a tolerance break or, oh, I just want to quit just to clean my body. And then I can smoke every once in a while on special occasions and just kind of leaving that door open, which kind of, it's a slippery slope for me getting back on my cycle. Again, everyone's different, but for me, it's very difficult for me to do weed occasionally because it just tricks. Because I've been smoking for like 18 years, man. That's a long, long time. Since I was like 12 years old. You don't have to convince me that you can't do it occasionally. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Th- that's your drug. It's the top of the pyramid. So And yeah, yeah. And, so, and so I just had to rewrite that story of just, nah, I'm done for good, no matter what. Here's what happens with drugs. When, the, when it starts taking more than it's giving, you know it's time to give it up. There's a yep. period, though, with all these drugs where it's actually... This is why I think another really sinister thing about them is there's there's usually not always there's usually a period where they're actually giving you more like they're benefiting you and then there's a switch that happens and then when that switch happens in your head you're always remembering back to the things the benefits it was giving you and it's like you're trying to pull them back up but it's like nope you're already like once you pass that threshold you're fucked you but you just got to get rid of it oh yeah or like some stoners would be like oh what strain are you smoking it's like dude the strain doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) fuck the strain bro Oh, that's because you're doing it. Stop. I, I just, I've gone through this so many times. I know all the excuses. There's not one excuse that you can give me that I haven't told myself. So it's like, just let it all go. I don't know. They'll get creative, man. I give them enough time. They'll come up with some, something. I'm There's sure something you must be doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you're doing oh, it right, it's, it's, weed would still be great. You must be doing something wrong. Yeah, or well, some people will kind of, say that like oh now I'm, I'm like hating on weed and it's like dude i don't hate on weed i hate my personal relationship with weed and that's okay like why can't you just let it go 
It's like imagine if you're an alcoholic and then your friend drinks alcohol and then you start justifying your use or whatever. It's you're just why can't you just be like, oh, good for you, congratulations, move on with your life. Like, why does it have to be this thing of you yeah. justifying your drug use? Like, just let it go, man. Who cares? It's if due to people. We we both know why people have to justify, feel yeah, they have to justify their drug use. Like <laughs> it was a rhetorical you know. question. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else, any other topics that I wanted to go more into. I w- I think I'm still more curious about your take on psychedelics because you had such a dark ride with them. Where are you now with them? Would you do you My- see benefit in tripping? Where I'm at right now. I have to feel a very strong call and it has to be in the perfect situation, then yeah, sure. But it's something that I don't plan ahead of time too much. Uh, like I have, like the last time I tripped was two years ago, for example, which is like a mushroom ceremony. And then the No, the toad. Before, that was two years ago? Was the no, toad? No, no, no. The toad was three years ago. I had a mushroom ceremony a year after that. No way. When you were with Quentin? That wasn't that long ago. I was, no, I was never with Quentin. I was supposed to be, but I got locked in here. Oh, your toad was a different time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a year ago. Oh, I thought they were the same time. Oh, I see. Yeah. And that was like still to this day the best trip of my life. And I saw everyone's experience and they went through like very roller coaster rides, being very vocal. And like I feel like I was the only person, not not putting this as like, oh, yes, I'm a master at this. But I was surprised myself because I didn't want to do it. In fact, when everyone did 5-MeO DMT, I'm like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> i think i can pass on this one and then at the very end uh the retreat owner really tried to push it on me in a sense he's like tom trust me i know you you're gonna really enjoy this and he actually set up a private ceremony for myself so i didn't even do it with the group it was literally just me and i had all these facilitators with me and uh the retreat owner kind of guiding me through it and i was like i didn't even move it was just the most blissful going to that kind of space of source, I suppose, like that place of where where we come from, where we're going, that kind of overwhelming sense. And it was, I've thought I've gone through intense trips before, man, but this was, it's a different level. Because like, you know, with DMT, you can kind of describe it. Like it's indescribable in a sense, but you can kind of describe it if you have the language for it to a limited degree. But with 5MEO, it on the level. There's, I yeah, think you th- can get to true. that level with dmt too just not everyone does most people don't get to that level that's true i, I never went past the gatekeeper on on dmt yeah. but this was early because i've had um <laughs> i've had people explain 5meo to me and um it sounds exactly like some of my dmt trips mm. and i've tried 5meo too and i was like on the verge of breakthrough and it felt so so similar to me but again all these drugs are very different to different people yeah right? And, and obviously the context, you know, because it's like I'm doing it in Peru in the mountains and doing it in a very certain way. So obviously that would have played into it yeah. a lot. But yeah, completely, you know, dissolved into the oneness kind of being with God, if you want to call it that. And yeah, it was actually, and what it did, because a lot of people, they have these five MEO trips from what I hear, and then they, they come back to earth and they're, immediate reaction is like no i want to go back to that space whereas for me it was like the best trip it was 11 out of 10 best in all sorts of ways most profound experience of my life and i came back to earth and i was like oh thank god i'm back whoo i'm a human again fuck yes and then it actually grounded me more ironically and then i and then i was able to let it go i'm like okay that's it was the best experience of my life but i have no desire to go back 
Not saying that I won't, but I just don't have the desire to. So. I was the opposite of you. I had, not with 5 people <laughs> with normal DMT, the exact same thing. Like, I probably went to, like, they're very similar spaces, in my experience, for, for my trips. And mm-hmm. I remember coming back and be like, same thing, I'm a human again. But I was like, I want to go back. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> nah, for me, it was, because it, it was eternity. I was like, there was a point where I thought I wasn't going to come back. I'm like, this is amazing. I could stay here forever. But man, I hope I come back eventually. <laughs> I want to see gotcha. my family and my friends and all that kind of stuff. Just no, dude, I was so far gone. I didn't even have a. I didn't even know I had a family or friends. Like I was. Oh I didn't no! Even have when I was in that, that space, I didn't have any concept of any of that oh, stuff. Okay. Like no, no, no. There was no human. This is when I came back. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, I see. I'm human I see. again. And Do I you like, remember? See, yeah. I remember for me those those ones that I've had that were like that. On my on your way out, it was like. You can't really put into words when you're there, but on the way back, I would slowly remember having family and friends. Do you know what I mean? Like as it's wearing mm, off, you start yeah, to yeah, remember. Yeah. Exactly. Your your ego. Oh yeah, I'm Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a human. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Oh, so, so you're not. So you are. Would you say you're still um, really cautious around psychedelics? Like, would you proceed with a lot of care if you were to do it again? Absolutely, but not in a not in a, not not in a crazy way. Like for example, I would be open to having like a small mushroom dose, for example, in nature. You know, mm. no, it's not something I'm particularly called to do, but I could see myself doing something like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and even taking it more lightly, not taking it so serious. Like I'm doing this to heal or be enlightened or all this kind of stuff. Like I, I used to take it too overly serious. Right. Uh, I think when we met and this time around it's like i know deep within i've got everything i need so even if yeah. i do psychedelics and just have a good time i'm good with that but at the same time i'm also cautious of opening up those doors as well and not dissolving too much boundaries because there's like a balance right and there's cycles in life where it's good to dissolve boundaries to let things in and other times it's good to build boundaries you know there's not you know, like I agree an extreme with you. cycles in life is a good way to put it yeah and so Right now, I'm in the kind of boundary building phase, and I'm okay with mm. that. I'm happy. And when it's time to dissolve them for a little bit, cool. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I go through periods where I have no urge whatsoever. Like, it's just not even in my head. I just, no. like, I don't care to trip. And I'll go through periods where, um, you know, it's, it might be a little fun to explore. Um, yeah, you go through different cycles. Yeah, and dude, it's like even la- the last couple of videos that I've made was like me going at mushroom picking. And I have access to mushrooms whenever I really want. And I mm. still haven't tripped in two years. So it really is no desire. I can yeah, but mushrooms in are so intense. LSD know, is so much lighter. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. You're ta- like, I don't have much of an urge to trip on mushrooms unless there's something I want to face. But if I want like a, a light, like not even light is the wrong word. I, I find LSD more exploratory, like yeah, more explorative. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. I can traverse alien terrain. It's really cool. You have more control with LSD for sure, because I've, I do, I've been personally. I've been I've been on like decent doses, and I've even walked through the streets of South America on LSD. Whereas on mushrooms, no way would I ever walk around in a city in a foreign country. No, fucking me neither. Way. <laughs> no, I need a bed and I need blankets. I need like... incense. I need my affirmations. <laughs> I need to put my shields. You know, like oh, I, I take it much more uh, ceremoniously. Mushroom. I, right. I treat it with much greater respect. You know. You should you should come here. We'll do part two of the acid video. That would be <laughs> hilarious. 
we'll do the same anim- animations in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to fly us out, I'll be I'll be glad to come. Uh, I mean, I, I would, I would. We can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. It'll be a cool uh, sequel, and I think we're both in a much better mental space, for sure. Oh yeah, I can't remember my mental space when we filmed that. I have I have trouble going back to that. We were going into madness for a while, like after we record, well, during recording, sure. But we smoked mapache too, which has the uh, MAOI, which obviously would have catalyzed. I think you smoked LSD more than bit. me, though. I don't remember smoking much of it. It was very harsh. Yeah, I smoked. I smoked a lot, so I was like, yeah. It really, it really kind of hit me. But I remember us wandering around in the living room, and we're kind of like descending into. Oh, I madness. was scared. I was scared. I remember yeah, being scared same. and needing like Jasmine's help because like. I was like, it was too much for me at the time. Yeah, and I was like also very awkward because that was the first time I've ever tripped on camera, ever. Mm. And that was kind of really weird for me. But I think once you played music, it was like, oh, oh, cool, okay, we've got an anchor. And that's when everything changed. And we played Jenga and, you know, like your brother was there. He's he's awesome. The Jenga. So the ending part was good, for sure. That The middle section was like really hard. I remember it was tough. Even when you like, said, I, like, we, I'm, I'm going to put the cameras away. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I remember we separated for a while. We, we separated for, like, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was that, that, was, that was a tough... It was a tough one. And I, I just... Yeah. But now we know. We know better. So that, that would be something that I'll be willing to do. Not a high dose. I mean, if you want to do a high dose, you know, be my guest. But I'll probably stay with the same, maybe just 100. What did you... First of all, it wasn't even acid. It was one PLSD that we did. Uh, which yeah, is true. arguably stronger because at least then you know it's lab made so it's dosed accurately do you mm, remember what our true. dose was i don't even remember 150 i'm pretty sure it was 150 ah i think yeah, that so. was a strong 150 if it was 150 that was a strong 150 dude oh really so what, what is that like equivalent to like two lsd tabs yeah i would say that was as strong as two tabs for sure Okay, interesting. Because I've never done... I think one tab is the most I've ever done. It wasn't very strong, was it? No. I, I like the I like the quarter the quarter dose or maybe a half dose usually. But I, even then, yeah. like LSD I haven't done in years, man. I, yeah, I just rarely mm. trip. Some people think I do because of, of the channel, but I rarely trip. You need man. the right people, I find. Like, I don't trip either unless I'm making a video. Like, there's just, <laughs> you have kids. Like, what, what, when am I going to trip? You know, yeah, if I, yeah, here's my exactly. thing. If I trip at night when, when my kids are sleeping, say I'm up all night and then my next day is ruined and I have responsibilities. So like people think that mm-hmm. I'm tripping all the time and really, no, I, I do when I'm making certain videos, I'll have a trip and then it feels like a big sacrifice. Um, that's why in a lot of the videos where I do take things, I take very modest doses because like I just don't have the time or the energy to put into like a full trip. Like I just did a video today where I took the Enigma mushroom. Have you heard of it? No, what's that? It's apparently the world's strongest mushroom. They say it's two to three times stronger than penis envy. But it wasn't that strong. Spoiler Uh. alert. It wasn't that strong. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert. Yeah. No, but I was like, thank God. I didn't even feel like They're even stronger than the mushrooms that we get. Because I heard that the the species, the subarachnosis that grow in certain regions of Australia. What's the tryptamine content? Oh, I don't remember. You'd have to Google it. So these ones are claimed to be 3.8, but I don't think they are. Okay. Well, let me let me double check. 
I think, yeah, but the ones that grow here is like definitely in the top tier of one of the most potent ones. Yeah, no, these sure. aren't organic. These are human made. Human, it's a human oh, hybrid. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so it's sort of different. like what they're doing with weed, right? Yeah, apparently. Okay. Apparently. Anyway, that, my that, point that, was, yeah. I okay. didn't really trip. I, I took it to film a video, but it was like, I was so happy that I didn't actually trip. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And just a quick, I don't want to get into it, but also with weed as well, is that the THC content these days is so much higher than what it used to be, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So whatever we used to think about weed before, it's it's a completely different ball game now. The dose is just yeah. insane. So, yeah, man. Well, I, I reckon we can leave it at that. Like, I'm always keen for another podcast if you wanted to explore other other topics, but it was good catching up, man. See, yeah, good to see you doing yeah, well. At six, I should. It's probably a good time to end it because of bedtime and stuff. Yeah, I, I got to vote today. Okay. Yeah, it's mandatory. <laughs> Otherwise, you oh. get fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my mom's like, oh. "Don't forget to vote." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, mom, I'll, I'll vote." But yeah, man, okay. I'll uh, just send me the your clips. I'll send you. I'll send you everything here. But yeah, is there anything that you wanted to say to anyone listening or? promote anything or share anything that's going on no <laughs> how about you no 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 i'm good check no. out my youtube channel i don't know <laughs> yeah check out tom's youtube channel yeah, don't yeah. don't look it's at a... mine 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 gets enough attention look at tom's <laughs> and support my patreon yeah and support his patreon yeah, yeah. yeah support tom's <laughs> patreon give him some money <laughs> sponsored by psych substance awesome um. <laughs>